Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I am Ken. Hi. Hello there. Paul, back in the driving seat. Where are you taking us today? End day. Nope. <laughs> no. Well, well, I'm I, I'm sorry to say, it's a slightly morbid theme today, but this is something that came from a book that I've recently read called "They Both Die at the End" by a guy called Adam Silvera. It's a young adult novel mm-hmm. <laughs> because obviously directly aimed at someone uh, in his mid forties. <laughs> But the, the premise of this book is they live in a world pretty much the same as ours is now, except there's one difference. And there's a company called Deathcast, and they know when you're going to die. And so every, every day they get a list of all of the people across the world who are going to die. And between midnight and about 2 a.m., depending on how long the list is, someone from that company will call you and let you know. and uh so you you then know that sometime between that phone call and the following midnight you are going to die they can't tell you or they don't know how it's going to happen or when in the day it's going to happen you just know it is and it's always right it's unavoidable so the book doesn't go into the detail of how it works it just focuses on these two they're actually two young teenage lads who both get the call on this day and it sort of follows their story and It just made me think, because it's all right. I mean, obviously everyone's going to die at some point. So there's, you know, you always have a list of things that you want to do before you die. But if you had that call and you knew that you then had less than 24 hours to live, but also as a sort of healthy person, you knew that you weren't going to be spending it in a hospital bed. Mm. So what what kind of thing would you... uh, would you, would you be looking at doing? Oh, that would be... What a good question that is. It is something that I've thought about before, because there's the old meme, live every day like it's your last. Mm. Uh, well, if I did that, I mean, there are certain days that the body count would be <laughs> uh, certainly in the tens. I don't actually know. I mean, obviously, there'd be... I suppose if, if you gave me an endpoint and said you will die on the stroke of midnight... That's a better endpoint than mm. at some point today you're going to die. And it could be that you walk out of the front door 10 seconds later and a slate yeah. falls off the roof and kills you, which um, I'd rather... So let's just say for sake of argument, you've got until the stroke of midnight on the morning that you wake up. Yeah. First things first, I have been with somebody wonderful now for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So I would want to spend it with her. Oh. Yes, completely brought my world back to life. Obviously, I would want to see my parents. Yes. And just say, look, today's the day, Ma, Pa. It's been lovely. Thank you for having me. My life really wouldn't have been the same if you hadn't given birth to me. (laughs) (laughs) But beyond that, what would I I do? I would record my eulogy. Oh. I want to be present at my own funeral vocally. Right. Um, I don't want some minister to read it out for me. So I would record my own eulogy. What else would I do? It'd be a case of doing all the things that I really enjoy. So I'd probably have a cigar or something and, and have a... I honestly don't know. There'd be too much to cram into one day. I'd be spoiled for choice, the things that I would want to do. There's no one thing that leaps out in my mind, but yeah, I would want to spend it with Dawn. Oh, 
That's very nice. Yes. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting you said that because about your funeral, because in the book, one of the boys <laughs> has a funeral for himself as one of his things that he does on his last day. So he gets his friends to, uh, you know, say nice things about him and stuff like that. Not in a church or anything. Mm. They just, some of them write poems and, you know, and things like that. But um, I guess it would just, I, I mean, obviously I would need to spend, it would be difficult to spend a lot of time with Stuart because obviously he'd be so devastated. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't think he'd be able to function. But yeah, I mean, obviously we'd be spending time with him and obviously the kids and the family, the parents and stuff, just making sure that they're all, yeah, they're all going to be okay. I guess it's kind of weird because you sort of think, well, you know, like what would I have for my last meal? But then it's like, would I really waste time going, you know, like having a having a meal when I'm going to die anyway? <laughs> so, <laughs> you see, that's food is a big thing. I mean, uh, uh, one thing I did leave out was um, the last few hours would be a heroic bender. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I would hope that you'd be there for that. You could cancel all your plans and because <laughs> that would be. Yeah, I've got to have a last hurrah where I'm wrecked. Mm. I suppose the quickest way of doing that would be the Doctor Who drinking games that we play <laughs> every New Year's Eve. They are ruinous on the kidneys and the liver. But last meal-wise, in years gone by, there was a legendary takeaway. I think you know where this is going. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore, but there used to be a, a takeaway in Lostock Hall called the Sunflower. Now, the, the takeaway still exists, yeah. but the owners have, have long since moved on. They used to make a fried egg curry, <laughs> which sounds rotten, just yes. this manky thing. It was the most wonderful <laughs> takeaway I've ever had in my life. It was just nuclear in its uh, heat. It's just basically two wokked eggs <laughs> on a bit of curry sauce and Chinese fried rice, and it was wonderful. <laughs> it was so potent that you could smell it through your fingertips about half an hour later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, food-wise, I, I, I am. I can see where you're coming from with that. But what would I have for my last meal? What would be so delicious that I would have to have it? I can't answer that. The one thing I will miss more than anything, though, is a Sunday roast. I love Sunday roast. It's mm. the best meal of the week for me. And you know, Sunday roast is is the pinnacle of weekly dinners. And then. Christmas dinner is the pinnacle of roast dinners. So, yeah, unless I don't want to die on Christmas Day. My nana died on Christmas Day and it yeah. ruined it for years for after everybody for years afterwards. So I wouldn't do that to everybody. But, yeah, I'd die on a, a completely unimportant day. Yeah, if you, if you have the choice. that Also, something, a, a day that is not very noteworthy because then it becomes noteworthy as your anniversary. So for those people who are left behind, mm. they can celebrate. <laughs> They've got something to, to well, uh, sorry, commemorate. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> I thought that the concept of the book was so interesting. Obviously in the book, the characters are both, 19 I think mm. so there's obviously the element of oh it's so unfair why does it have to be me then it's like hold on a sec I need to stop thinking like this <laughs> time's ticking away I mean obviously it's not ever going to happen uh, <laughs> but unless of course you uh, end up on death row and then I suppose you're limited in choices as to what you do on your last day you can have whatever you want to eat but sort of going out partying or visiting people's probably frowned upon uh yes I mean yeah, yeah, death row. 
<laughs> America. America was a good idea, but it's got out of hand. Um, <laughs> Stop. Now. Yeah. Anyway, turning another page. But it is, it is it's a concept that I have thought about periodically, bizarrely. What would my last day be like? Mm. You know, if you woke up knowing, yes, yeah. oh, today feels different. Would you? You know, when you get that just ethereal sense of something isn't quite right. I wonder if you feel like that on your last day. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, outside of the situation that I mentioned, which obviously isn't going to happen, there must be, and you you sort of hear it, don't you? Uh, people who, particularly uh, sort of elderly people, who sort knew of gather, it was their time, their friends yeah. around, you know, and their family around. But yeah, I wonder if if you did, I wonder if you would do anything differently. I mean, I I wouldn't go to work. <laughs> no, I would phone. Well, I don't know whether I'd phone in sick. <laughs> phone in debt. <laughs> I can't come to work in today. I, I'm feeling a little stiff. And I'll be feeling stiff for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's strange that you should say that, actually. Good. Slight tangent. The other night, we went out to Manchester oh, to see, yes. uh, see a concert. And after we'd seen the concert, we went to the gay village in Manchester. And Stuart and I were never that you know, we never went out in, mm. the, in the gay village. We occasionally go out for a couple of drinks, but uh, because we met each other a little bit later, later in life. <laughs> um, <laughs> the old wise and sanguine, yeah. yeah. So we- <laughs> but we never, we never had that, you know, sort of going out. And on Saturday night, we did. We went to this bar called Churchill's and it, it's horrible, <laughs> horrible place. Uh, you know, the beer was horrible. Uh, but the music they were playing was really good. And there were all different kinds of people there, all genders, mm. all different kind of outfits, different sexual preferences and different ages. And we were just silly dancing to, stu- you know, to the really yeah, cheesy yeah. songs, which is something that we've never done because we've never been in that situation. And that felt very different. And it was really, really nice. And we stayed over in Manchester and in the morning, it must've been about six o'clock. So it was just starting to get light. And I, I woke up and Stuart wasn't moving. You know, obviously when you were asleep, you tend yes. not to move, but I couldn't see, I couldn't see, see him breathing. No. And I led that and I was thinking, oh my God, you know, like what, what, what if, if that was it? Yeah. What uh, if? And then I was thinking, well, how long am I just going to lie here wondering if he's dead or not? <laughs> and then I got shouted at when I woke him up because <laughs> it was like, of course I'm alive. But it was very strange because I thought there was a book, uh, another young adult book, The Fault in Our Stars. I'm no, sure. I'm not familiar at all. Lovely book. But that talks about, uh, again, that's about dying people. <laughs> it's a running theme in your book collection. Yeah. <laughs> They talk about having a last good day, and and it's usually when when people are, are ill, you know, like with terminal illnesses, mm. they, and you can see them declining and declining, and then all of a sudden, towards the end, they'll just have one day where they feel fine and they want to go out and do stuff. And I thought mm, that could have been it. I mean, the fact that our last good day was spent in Churchill's might <laughs> have been a bit of a kick in the yeah. teeth, but it was. It was a it was a lovely night. But yeah, not that I'm saying I would go to Churchill's if I uh, if I got the impression that I was on my way out the door. Yeah, a bit of a tangent, but one of my <laughs> bosses is gay. He's our age, and 
I was just, I was speaking to him about you and me and the podcast and how we fancy a big gay night out mm. on Canal Street because I, again I've not been there for twenty years. The last time I went was with you, yeah, um, during those formative years in, of your gay career. <laughs> um, but it was fun. The whole gay scene was quite fun, and and again a, a lot of the the music of the time. I, I look back on those times with you in Lancaster and Manchester and so on, very, very fondly because it was just a very vibrant time on the gay scene, it mm. seemed, looking from the outside in. Uh, but he said, no, the Canal Street, you know, we went the other week, me and, me and my husband, and it's awful. It's full of straights. <laughs> this is our space. Now, that's a topic for a different yeah, podcast. Yeah. But I didn't say anything, but I thought... I can see where you're coming from because yes, it's the gay village, but I'm slightly uncomfortable with the "this is our space" sort of thing. Exclusive. I've seen that a few times. Yeah, um, but that's not for here. But it, he he hated it because it's not really a gay village anymore. It's full of stag parties and Hindus and and straights. Yeah, I mean, I will say there were quite a few straight people or p- people I assume to yes, be sir. straight. In Churchill's, they, they didn't allow stag do's or hen mm. But there were quite a lot of groups of people who were obviously a mix. And it would be like, you know, if you if you and Dawn came out mm. with me and Stuart, only half of the group would be gay. But yeah, I like that because, you know, I get that it's, ni- it's nice to have gay spaces, mm. that are, you know, where people feel safe and things like that. But at the same time, we don't want to exclude ourselves from the, the whole community. We're not a ghetto. Mm. No, it was... Um, I mean, while we're on the topic, and it is completely off topic, what was the bar where you came out to me? It was like it was all gothic or a castle or something, or it, uh, it was all very... It was Via Fossa. Right. The, yeah, he was, he was decorated with all the church pews. And mm, yeah. Yeah. We actually, we went in there the other day and um, I told the story. I said, this is where... Uh, <laughs> This word told Ken. Yes. <laughs> I can picture that night vividly. You were out with a group of people from work, I think, your friends. They were friends that you'd met in Salford. Mm. And they were all nudging you and jostling you. And uh, you sort of sidled up to the bar next to me and I have something to tell you. Um, <laughs> I'm gay. And I, I just I remember vividly my reaction was, well, Bryce, it is still you around, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not getting out this of it that easily. Drink, no. <laughs> yeah, <Good times. laughs> uh, we've got a long way off. Uh, have, yeah. I think as a final, my final thought. I know one way or another whether it happens tomorrow or fifty years from now. In the words of the, I am going to have that played at my funeral. I'm telling you, dead, dead, dead from South Park. It's a classic. I will be annoyed because I'll have been robbed of time. Mm. However however old I am, there still won't be enough time to do all the work that I want to do. Which and is like all the- a Chris Chibnall episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> 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 one last jibe there, one last one. Final thought. 90 minutes, 90 <laughs> minutes yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I completely agree. <laughs> We spend an awful lot of our time sort of waiting for things and wishing that things will happen. And then there's going to come a point where nothing else is going to happen because it's all all over. So maybe we should definitely not live each day as if it's our last, because as you say, that could have quite troublesome <laughs> consequences <laughs> where, where it should turn out not to be your last. But definitely, yeah, 
embrace it and get as much done as you can while while you're still here get as much done as you can yes tidy that room do that <laughs> job fix that problem and use the best china <laughs> i was once told that by she was 91 at the time was mooring but she gave me lots and lots of pieces of, uh, of advice she, she always used to say there's nothing in getting old Ken. <laughs> everything it fails everything aches mm. all the time it's, it's just not pleasant getting old all these pieces of advice use the best crockery don't leave it in the cupboard for best yeah use all the best stuff because you never know when your last day is going to be she gave me three pieces of advice as you get older towards your death never pass up an opportunity to go to the toilet <laughs> never waste an erection <laughs> Never trust a fart. <laughs> Thank you for that, Maureen. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I'm not sanguine, no, so I'll... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how we would approach the feather bowl situation in this when we're just talking about the, the possibility of dying at some point. So maybe, maybe we'll just skip, skip that, this episode. I would recommend, I know we don't do a book club, I would recommend that book. It's quite fun. They both die at the end. They both die at the end. It's called by Adam Silvera. How are we going to finish off this episode? Well, one thing that leaps to mind is Screening Queens. It's an episode of Red Dwarf. (laughs) It's from the third series and it's called The Last Day. And it's Crichton the Mechanoid. Uh, he's about to, the company that made him um, in order to keep sales up they arbitrarily end a machine's life so that the uh, people that bought them are forced to buy the latest upgrade <laughs> can you imagine any company what in, I know <laughs> Apple <coughs> Uh, so yes, and it's all about the crew giving Crichton his big send-off for his last day. So he has a last meal and he gets drunk and they buy him presents and they have a party. And then it's a good episode. Yes. Does he die then? Uh, no, it turns out it's a voluntary death. <laughs> uh, they just, so they just kick the new robot in the nuts and uh, that's the end of that. <laughs> so we don't often hear from Red Dwarf these days, do we? So it's quite, quite nice to revisit it. And now, as you all think about your own mortality, it will leave you to it. To the the bells of the South Park Choir. (laughs) Take us out, guys. Someday you'll be dead, 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 dead. Someday we'll be dead, 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 dead. Everyone you know, dead. A very merry Christmas to you, dead, dead. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.